Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, March 27th. We begin with a conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We get details on how citizens can access local resources during the pandemic and hear the mayor's thoughts on how Calgarians are doing with the new practice of social or physical distancing. We spend time discussing how to keep young kids occupied during the COVID-19 crisis, but teens are a completely different story. Tips from an expert on managing your middle schoolers. Then we look at the plight of truck drivers during this tumultuous time. We speak with the president of the Alberta Motor Transport Association on what these hard-working men and women need to get their jobs done. Next, we catch up with Global News Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Proskow with the details on how the COVID-19 crisis is ramping up in the United States, a country which now has more confirmed cases than anywhere on the planet. And finally, need an escape? Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes with his top picks for streaming just in time for the weekend. 7.42 on your Friday morning and Mayor Nahed Nenshi being put to the test yet again amidst this COVID-19 pandemic. And for the foreseeable future, the mayor is going to join us at this time every Friday morning to update citizens on the coronavirus situation in our city. And he joins us now. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, Sue. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show this morning. Can we start with what the city is doing, just to kind of give everybody an update, what the city's doing for the citizens? We know there's help from the feds and from the province. What about municipally? So, um, obviously, we are focused on emergency response at the moment, uh, and there's a number of things that people need to be careful of and think about. We are also uh, working hard on thinking about what can we do just to help people through difficult financial times uh, as we are moving forward? Um, a caveat, it's worth noting that the city is different than the other orders of government uh, for two big reasons. Number one is we can't run a deficit. So whatever we do, we have to be trued up by the end of the year, by December 31st, so we can move stuff around within the year and defer payments and so on. But what we don't want to do is whack people with a big bill in December uh, so that we can uh, finish our books at the end of the year. And the other thing that people need to remember, too, is that uh, we are supplying many of the essential services that people need even more so at this time, Uh, you know, police, fire, 911, roads, transit, uh, and so on. So these are tough questions we're doing. Uh, What we have done already uh, is that your city utility bill, that's your water, your wastewater, your drainage, um, your waste recycling compost bill, you can pay all a portion or none of your bills for April, May, and June uh, without any penalty or interest, and those, whatever amount is owing, will be rolled into your bills for the rest of the year. Okay. We are engaged in big conversations with the federal and provincial governments about any assistance they can provide us so that we can do other things. I will say, uh, including on the property tax, I will say that the federal and provincial governments have done a really good job to date of making sure they're looking after people who are out of a job uh, or who are self-isolating. The provincial government, if you are looking after someone who is self-isolating, if you yourself are self-isolating, I have the ability to process a quick one-time payment, uh, and you can contact the province, go to that website uh, for that. And, of course, the feds have announced this emergency benefit of $2,000 a month uh, for a very wide range of people, including people who are not normally eligible for EI, uh, and that'll make a big difference for a lot of people. That'll help people pay rent and keep food on the table uh, if they're in difficult financial situations. So that is all important stuff in the city. Yeah, is helping as well in whatever way we can.
Mayor, I've seen uh, pictures of the downtown core where the, the street is uh, empty and uh, driving into work it's and driving home from work as well. Less traffic. I uh, had some uh, friend who worked downtown uh, take a picture of the mall, completely empty. Seems like people are getting it, but I'm wondering, uh, how about a report card from you on how Calgarians are doing with uh, keeping distance and uh, isolating? The vast majority of people are really getting it. Uh, and, you know, this is important. I've said it before, and I will say it again, that the number one thing each of us can do, and everyone's asking, what can I do? How can I help? The number one thing every single person can do is not to act like you're trying not to get sick. Act as though you have the virus already and you're trying to prevent spreading it. Act as though every single person uh, that you come into contact with is your 90-year-old grandmother. Uh, these are We have to take these kinds of actions to flatten the curve and to spread out to not spread out the pandemic uh, as best we can. Because ultimately, everything that we do as government, you know, we can make lots of different actions than we have, and there are likely more to come, but it's all about personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us really has uh, that responsibility. And then I'll say one thing. We're going into a beautiful weekend, um, what I call Calgary's fifth fall spring. (laughs) Um, And... You know, to, to, at this point, as you heard me say before, outdoors is not cancelled. Getting some fresh air and getting some exercise is not cancelled. Um, but there are some basic guidelines that people really need to follow. One is, if you can, stay close to home. You know, don't drive to a popular park to go for your walk. Um, that's just kind of a little bit defeating the purpose. Stay close to home if you can. Um, Number two is obviously leave that distance between you and others two meters or six feet or, you know, the the length of a bicycle. Uh, And that's really important. Uh, Even if it means you have to cross the street because there's people coming, just do that. And let's just make sure that that we keep everyone safe. Um, Don't touch anything while you're out. The playgrounds and the play structures and the skate parks are off limits at this time. Um, and when you get home, just wash your hands and change your clothes. Mm-hmm. But if you follow those basic uh, bits of advice, then everything uh, should be fine and we should be able to let people out and about. You know, a lot of folks have been saying, you know, why don't we go to a pure shutdown? Why don't we go to a, a lockdown or a quarantine? And there may be other measures coming, but I want people to understand that for most people, for all intents and purposes, that's where we are now. Um, but the difference is we're still encouraging people to go outside um, when they can, uh, and some offices and businesses remain open um, that maybe are not what you might call essential services, but to kind of keep a little bit of the economy going and a little bit of normalcy in people's lives. But essentially, if you can stay home, you should. Great reminders, great update. Thank you for joining us. We will join you again next Friday morning. So uh, be safe this weekend and wash your hands. Thanks very much. And be kind to others and reach out to others. That's what really matters. Clean hands, clear heads, open hearts. Love it. That's Calgary Mayor Nahed Ninchi. 609 on the morning news. Uh, teenagers are a unique age group. Supporting a teen who is cooped up at home without their typical releases like school, friends, and sports can be an extremely difficult task. We wanted to bring on a therapist and counselor who specializes in this age group. Uh, Phyllis uh, Fagel is uh, here to discuss how your teenager through uh, self-isolation can thrive. Oh, with your help. Good morning, Phyllis. 
Good morning. Melissa, it's apples to oranges when you talk about, you know, those toddlers who you can give blocks and, and dinosaurs, and I'm in this world, uh, compared <laughs> to the teens and the tweens. They're different animals, aren't they? Uh, very different animals. A toddler can't get enough of their parents, and a tween and a teen is in the process <laughs> of doing whatever they can to get as much distance from their parents as possible. So what do we do? What can we do? How, how can we help our kids and help ourselves at the same time? I think we have to appreciate that this is a challenge for everyone. And just like we have different social needs, they have different social needs too. But the more we can understand the phase and recognize that they have a need for privacy and that we need to do what we can to honor their need to pull away a little bit and not harass them and say, why aren't you calling your friends? Why aren't you video conferencing with them and contributing to the anxiety they're already feeling about not having those social outlets? I think we'll have an easier time all around and we'll all get along better. I have two teens and a tween in my own home and their needs vary day to day. And the main thing that I'm focusing on is ensuring that they uh, are in touch with what they need at a given moment and that if they are feeling lonely, that instead of, you know, passively scrolling through social media or obsessively reading the news, that they use that time to reach out to someone in video conference mm. and make a connection. Makes sense. Yeah, and, and it, absolutely, they're different than us and different than the young kids. Uh, a part of our family, but to, to these teens and tweens, they're friends. I don't think we can underscore how important time with their friends actually is, and they don't have that face-to-face. They can't go to the mall. They can't go kick around and go for a walk uh, with their friends in, the, in those groups that they're used to because they're pack animals, aren't they? Yes, they are, and I think we can't, we can't overestimate how important those relationships are to teens and tweens, and I think that that, once we wrap our heads around that, we can really appreciate why this is such an unsettling and discombobulating time for them, and I think it's important that we validate that, and we tell them that we we feel their pain, and we understand why this is so hard, and that we all exercise a little more patience. I think that when you're stressed, uh, we see this especially with kids, their empathy goes down, their compassion goes down, so we also want to be keeping an eye on how they're interacting with their friends and making sure they're being kind this is not the time to completely separate from whatever they're posting, particularly if they're a tween, if they're 11, 12, and still learning how to use those platforms. But at the same time, giving them some flexibility and freedom to figure out what works for themselves. So do you have any tips and tricks for us? Because I know, you know, we got, we've had multiple texts and emails from folks who are, you know, their kids want to go out. There, are, there might be the odd kid who their parents are still letting them hang out with their friends if they want to. But for the most part, our kids are out of school. They're supposed to be physically isolating. So what tips or tricks can we help them by giving them? One thing that I think would be really helpful is if the adults were not only mindful of whether what their kids are posting is kind, but that they're really mindful not to allow their children, particularly uh, if they're not abiding by the new regulations and recommendations to socially isolate, it's really hard for kids to deal with FOMO or fear of missing out as it is, and it makes it exponentially harder if they're seeing their friends posting photos of them outside with a pack of friends. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that where we're not allowing our kids to do that. You know, I'm in the camp of, you know, enforcing the, the 
the recommendation to socially isolate, and that doesn't always make us popular with our kids, but this is not a time when we're looking for popularity. I always think about Dr. Ken Ginsberg is a developmental pediatrician, and he uses a puzzle metaphor. The edges of the puzzle represent safety, and that's what parents have to set. The inside of the puzzle are all of those irregular pieces and where kids can execute control. So we want to be giving them as much control inside that puzzle. You know, how late do they want to sleep? How do they want to organize their time or do their homework? When do they want to reach out to a friend? But when it comes to those safety pieces, that's our job, and we don't always get to be the good guy. Yeah. Uh, great analogy. I think it's great. Yeah. Let's talk about the the online aspect and the social media aspect because we're not going to make social media go away. And, uh, well, even the video games, the electronics. How do we put limits on that to allow them access, uh, but at the same time that they're not on it all day? Do you have any uh, ideas and suggestions for that? I think we need to be mindful of how they're using it, first of all. Uh, we don't want it when they're doing their homework. You know, set aside all of the social media and texting while they're doing their homework. I think that's a habit we want to continue to enforce. Uh, we want to make sure they don't have electronics in their bedroom so that it's not interfering with sleep. And then we want to take a look at how they're using that media. So if they're using it to make a FaceTime call to their best buddy, that's pro-social and it's probably helping them with their well-being if it's being used to look at all of those friend groups that are going out without them because their parents are not as strict then it's not going to be helpful or if they're on there looking at dire situations of overrun hospitals all day long that's also going to contribute to their anxiety you know i i I think right now and i've said it a couple of times i I think this is an opportunity for us yes we're all locked down and and things are bad in the grand scheme of things but this is an opportunity for us to be with our kids and spend some really great time with them that we might not have otherwise so maybe you know do you think that at that age with the teens and tweens trying to cook with them or do stuff in the kitchen or or hanging out with them as well as getting them off their you know their devices is, is a good idea Absolutely. You know, I think people are, aside from just the the joy of getting to spend some unstructured, unpressured family time together, this is an opportunity to help them develop some life skills. Everybody is very concerned about how much school they're going to miss or whether they're going to master academic concepts. But I think a helpful way to look at it is to recognize that there are a lot of different ways to learn and a lot of skills to develop. So for the kid who struggles with social skills, this is an opportunity to look at how they're engaging online and maybe help them enter a conversation or not interrupt or show interest in someone else. And for the kid who's about to leave for college, to make sure they know how to do their laundry and and use the oven. You make know, we craft had, dinner. <laughs> yeah, make dinner. Yeah, those basic skills. Even even teaching them how to look at the stock market. You know, these, this is a time to to focus in on things that maybe we wouldn't otherwise. I know of kids who are learning how to sew, so they can make masks right now. Oh, very, very good, and mm-hmm. uh, some great suggestions. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Phyllis. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. That is Phyllis Fagel, a therapist and counselor specializing in teenagers. It's coming up on 849 on your Friday morning, and we've definitely heard lots of concerns about trucking and truck drivers during this COVID-19 pandemic. We rely on them, but they're apparently having a tough go in some ways. To answer some of the questions that are out there, we're joined this morning by Chris Nash, president of the Alberta Motor Transport Association. Hi, Chris. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Andrew. Great to hear on your traffic report saying essential services on the road. Love hearing that. You know it. We count on the truck drivers for sure. We're hearing from some, though, that they just don't have a place these days with a lot of the the shutdowns, that they don't have a place to shower and they often don't have a place to go to the bathroom. Is this true? What's, What's going on? 
You bet. You know, and this this was a challenge even before COVID, but it's just compounded now. Um, you know, when you look at the social distancing and the safety of the of, of all workers, you know, every company is doing the best to try to keep their employees safe and having them at home and doing what's uh, what's best to stop the spread. However, when you look at the truck drivers, we need to keep them moving. We need to keep them on the road to keep uh, stock on the shelves to make sure that we have our medical supplies moving. But the problem is, as we see restaurants close and rest areas, uh, not rest areas, the government doing a good job of keeping those open but um, you know whether it be a truck stop whether it be anything when the dining area is closed typically so is the washroom um, when you have a drive-through typically they don't allow walk-ups uh, you know we have great news McDonald's stepped up to the plate now and make sure that eight to eight that they're uh, ensuring drivers truck drivers can uh, use the app they've got a special way to do it you can oh, order good. your food they'll bring it out to the curb but great. we need more of that so when you talk about washrooms and even the safety supplies to do their job um, you need to have hand sanitizers uh, uh, you know, the wipes, the gloves, even toilet paper, you know, these things are, are, it's a new reality. Even when you go to customers, shippers and receivers, what used to be a good place, they could use the facilities when they're there. But because of now all the, the COVID rules, they're taking away these places for the drivers to have what you need in any other office or work environment is uh, just the simplicities of the necessities. Um, so we need to find ways to get that back for the drivers so we can keep the supply chain moving. So how do we do this, Chris? Is is this really the point, just opening the conversation and making an awareness that we need more uh, businesses like McDonald's to to, uh, adapt? Absolutely. You know, we, we just have to have the places, you know, um, just think of it. You know, we, we hear eight to eight and we're hearing places closing at night. Well, the 24-7 is the trucking industry. So is there park somewhere? Uh, they need the facilities. You know, they could be parked, you know, the eight hour reset, whatever it is, but they might be waiting for something to open. It turns out to be longer. Where where can they go? What can they do? So if we want to keep the supply chain moving, we basically have to give the drivers the room, give them the tools, give them the respect and make sure that they can do the job and keep the shelves full and keep the medical stuff moving. So is that something we can help with, uh, you know, as citizens, or is this the job of the association to make sure that you're in touch with maybe some of these bigger chains like the McDonald's that you talk about to make sure that they have a place for the truckers to, to, to come in and do what they need to do? You bet. We're working hard as an association to reach out, but, you know, we're imploring anyone who can help. Uh, we're getting emails of people that are saying, hey, I have a catering company. I'm happy to bring food out. Here's a number. You know, we're seeing that, but we definitely need more of it. We have to keep the supply chain moving as we as we go into this and as the curve goes up. Uh, the potential of the capacity dropping is there, so we have to make sure that we keep who we do have out there safe, number one, and make sure they have all the amenities that they need. And Chris, this is a troubling time. I know we're amidst a pandemic, uh, but I guess maybe the silver lining to come out of it when we get on the other side is uh, people would perhaps understand more about the importance of our trucking industry. Absolutely. You know, when you think about it, you know, we've had some transportation woes here prior to COVID and what it did to the country, and that wasn't the trucks. But imagine the compounding issue if the trucks stopped, um, what that would do during a crisis. Uh, they're the lifeblood of the country. So, again, the biggest thing, and we're, we're pushing hard. You may have heard the hashtag, thank a trucker. Um, they're doing everything to make sure that we have all the necessities and luxuries of life 24-7. They were doing it before. They continue to do it now, even at risk, leaving their families that are at home maybe needing uh, the support, but they're all making sure the greater good that's uh, being taken care of. So, again... Give them the room, give them the tools, give them the respect. That's the important thing. Absolutely. We're grateful for the work that they do. We've had texters saying, you know, their husband, a couple of ladies text in regularly, their husbands are truckers and they take the supplies they need on the road with them to make sure. But hopefully we can get some more, uh, some more facilities opened up to help look after them. So thanks for all that you do, Chris. Appreciate it. 
No problem. And one thing, if anybody has it, we're working hard to try and get a distribution network to get those sanitizers and everything out to the front line of drivers. But as everybody else, we're having a tough time getting it. So if we can get the word out, if anybody has access to sanitizers, gloves, those sort of things that we can get out to drivers, get it to the front line out on the road so the driver on the road can pick it up wherever they are. That's our goal. So pushing hard for that. Again, thank you. Thank a truck driver. Thanks, Chris. That's the president of the Alberta Motor Transport Association. It's amta.ca. In the U.S., representatives are expected today to pass that uh, $2 trillion economic stabilization package in response to the coronavirus pandemic. It's been approved unanimously by the Senate, and he's got all the details on that and everything COVID-19 related in the U.S. We're joined this morning by Jackson Proskow, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Hi, Jackson. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Is it a happy Friday in the U.S.? Are people pleased with this package? Or I mean, $2 trillion to me is almost, you can't even really imagine what that means. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's some uh, positivity surrounding the fact that there will be payments to individual Americans and families, people who may have lost their jobs here. Uh, we saw, uh, you know, claims for unemployment uh, at over three and a half million or 3.3 million just in the last week. That's a new record surpassing anything ever seen before. So, uh, yeah, the idea of people getting money when they need it most is being well received. Uh, there is some concern about the corporate bailout aspects of this, uh, for sure, as there always are. They, there's you know, sort of a demand that there's checks and balances. Uh, to make sure that they're not just writing blank checks to big companies, that the government gets a say in how that money is being used at the end of the day. Uh, but also some sort of quizzical concern. For example, uh, there was talk of earmarking a billion dollars to get private companies to make ventilators. A billion dollars out of two trillion really isn't that much at the end of the day, even though that's still a staggering amount of money. Uh, and that's there's sort of been a hang up over that. U.S. has now the dubious distinction of having the most coronavirus cases worldwide and Uh, Hard-hitting news coming out of uh, New York State as well, I I believe. And again, uh, like uh, you say and like Reggie says when we we join Reggie about reported cases because they're always changing. Uh, Reports were that 100 people had uh, passed away from coronavirus in the uh, New York State area in a 24-hour period. Yeah, uh, what's happening in New York State is dire, and the state says what's happening there now is likely a preview of what the rest of America can expect to see. So, uh, as you mentioned, the U.S. has more than 83,000 cases, the highest number uh, reported anywhere in the world, surpassing China. Uh, 30,000 of those, more than 30,000, are in New York State, the majority in Manhattan, and the hospitals there are absolutely overwhelmed already. Uh, They've brought in refrigerated trucks to store bodies. they built makeshift morgues in tents. Uh, Most hospitals running well over 100 hundred percent capacity and the governor says the peak is still likely two to three weeks away they are preparing for what they're calling a tsunami of cases uh but now while that's happening you're starting to see a a big surge in reported case numbers in places like michigan and illinois and georgia and louisiana is actually at the center of its own outbreak so uh lots of moving pieces here and it seems like the u.s is in store for some very difficult days ahead and Jackson, I'm, I'm shocked that, you know, in the midst of all of this, President Trump's approval rating continues to go up. And then I see your tweet this morning that Trump called into Fox News last night and made a ridiculous comment. Yeah, I mean, on approval ratings, keep in mind, uh, you know, you're seeing the president front and center at these press conferences every single day. So people are seeing him as the person who is leading right now. Uh, but the question is, is that sustainable as things get worse? Because that's the trajectory the U.S. is headed on right now. And you're right. Uh, the president phoned into Fox News last night uh, and basically took aim at all these states and local authorities that say they need more help from the federal government. New York has said they need 30,000 ventilators to keep up with the expected surge in cases. 
Trump said, well, he doesn't think anybody needs that many ventilators. He doesn't understand why they would need 30,000 ventilators, uh, essentially accusing the states of making up these numbers. Uh, in another case, he suggested that other states may not get uh, emergency disaster assistance because they've been critical of the federal government's response. It is an absolute mess, and uh, the leadership of the federal government, or rather the lack of leadership there, is coming under intense scrutiny now. You know, uh, yesterday it was uh, headlines, well, at least for a number of hours, that the U.S. government was going to institute uh, military personnel at the border between the U.S. and Canada. It was quickly dismissed uh, by late last night. Was that just a, a spitballed idea, or is it just grasping at straws? So the best we can tell, because uh, Global News actually broke this story, uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, or Homeland Security, had requested the assistance of military personnel uh, at both the northern and southern border to essentially help patrol the areas in between border crossings and then direct Customs and Border officials to pick up people who may have crossed illegally. Now, the thing is, there are not huge numbers of people crossing illegally from Canada into the U.S. That's never been some sort of massive problem. Uh, and so it seems as though this may have gotten caught up in politics which is to say that the White House has really been pushing to use coronavirus for its own uh, purposes to step up patrols at both the northern and southern border, because we know that's a big issue for President Trump. Uh, the president was asked about this yesterday. He seemed completely confused and suggests that maybe there needed to be troops on the Canadian border because Canada was dumping steel into the United <laughs> States. That's an issue, by the way, that was resolved with the new NAFTA agreement. Uh, needless to say, they have now backed away from this proposal, so a question of how serious it was remains a bit open. But they were at least communicating on some level to Canadian officials that this was a thing that could happen. Uh, you know, seeing all over social media yesterday that most people suspecting it would be the other way around. It wasn't Canadians wanting to flee to the U.S. It was likely Americans wanting to flee to Canada because our <laughs> healthcare system seems to be in far better shape right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's just kind of comical to think that 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 was an issue. Yeah. And I think it shows you how politics have really sort of infected every aspect of the coronavirus response. And we're hearing here, Jackson, that the uh, uh, leadership debate or the hunt for a new leader when it came, uh, comes to the CPC party uh, put on hold. Uh, looks like you're deeper into May or maybe June uh, to, to start it up again. Certainly not looking at the end of June to have a leader installed. And I'm uh, thinking at, at this point, is it official that the primaries and uh, the uh, Everything's on hold when it comes to moving ahead toward November. So some states have already preemptively delayed their primaries. Uh, you know, I think it's an open question as to whether the political conventions will be able to happen this summer. Nobody's talking about canceling them yet, but uh, it's hard to see how under these circumstances they could go ahead. Now, obviously, June and July are still a long way away, but uh, you have to think that people are thinking about that. And there is some concern and some talk about whether they are going to have to find an alternate way to carry out the federal election here in November as well, the pre presidential election. Uh, and some politicians are starting to say, you know, there is no mechanism in the Constitution to delay an election and nobody wants that. But maybe they have to look at uh, spending money now to build systems to allow people to vote by mail, for example, to make sure that this can uh, carry forward. Jackson, how has your life changed down there? Are you doing all your reports from home? Do you, do you guys go into the, the, uh, the office at all anymore? Now, we've been uh, working from home for the past two weeks. Uh, part of that was precautionary because uh, I had been traveling internationally. And so, uh, as with the best advice given to Canadians, we thought it was safest to stay home. Uh, but generally, doing everything from home as much as possible right now, uh, it's just the safest way to do things. And most of the people in the office where we work have done the same as well. Do you get the sense that uh, most Americans are kind of getting on board with this now as they see the numbers rise? 
Yeah, I mean, I can certainly tell you that uh, here in Washington, for example, the city's effectively shut down. They sent out a text message to every cell phone uh, on uh, Tuesday night saying, stay home. Uh, they've ordered all non-essential businesses closed for uh, at least a month. So uh, don't expect me to be getting a haircut anytime soon. And for good reason, right? It's just the grocery stores, hardware stores, uh, and mechanics are basically all that's left open right now uh, as they really try and keep people home. And I should point out that local orders like that are in place in states and cities across the U.S., the president does not have the power to override them. So when he talks about opening up the country sooner than later, at the end of the day, it's going to be up to local officials to decide when things get back to normal. Jackson, thanks for your time. Stay safe, and uh, we'll catch up again next week. Take care. All right, it's Friday. Normally we check in with the host of The Couch Potatoes, Brett McGarry, to find out what movies are hitting the box office. But as we all know, movie theaters are closed. So first of all, we'll say hi, Brett. How are you? Oh. I'm doing okay. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. So no movie theaters, but there's movie watching to do at home. Uh, the pandemic uh, shutting it down that way, but we can still lie on our couch or on our bed and watch stuff. Good good things on Netflix that you have to uh, suggest for us this week? Yeah, this weekend's a big one on Netflix. You know, I mean, with so many of us looking for stuff to watch while we're stuck at home, it's Netflix to the rescue this weekend with a big one. Season three of Ozark. Are you guys familiar with Ozark? I watched half of season one. I okay. loved full season one. I haven't seen season two. So when you say there's season three, that means I've got <laughs> catching up. I got a two. lot of binging to do, which is great. Well, for those who uh, maybe need a refresher, let's just go back to season one for a sec. Mom, what are we doing here? Your father's laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel. Money. That's my five million dollars. Someone's going to die. Relax. Why do I have this feeling we both know that you'd be better off dead? Morning! We're gonna kill your family. And we're done with all this madness. So Ozark stars Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. Bateman plays Marty Bird, a financial manager in Chicago who launders money for a drug cartel. As you can imagine, things don't go that well for him. So he takes his family and flees to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, where he ends up laundering even more money for that Mexican cartel. And that's when things get really hairy. He gets mixed up with this family of low-life criminals in the Ozarks, and then he gets mixed up with the powerful family that runs the local drug scene and uh, somehow gets through all of it alive. So season two, which I, I won't spoil, you said you haven't seen it, but season two, they, they managed to expand on everything and kind of grow their money laundering empire. And then season three, there's a real power struggle between Marty and his wife, Wendy, uh, who's played by Laura Linney, as they continue to try to keep their family alive and safe. So what I like about Ozark, A, it is a tense crime thriller, outstanding performances from Bateman and Linney, and uh, the power struggle between the two of them, watching that relationship evolve over the first two seasons is great, and it looks like in season three, she's really, I think she's becoming kind of like a Walter White sort of character. You know, they moved to Missouri to try to just get away from everything, really they were stuck in this situation so she's embraced it and now I think she even enjoys it which it appears to be scaring Bateman's character I will say it's not the best show on TV but it's up there and it's been nominated for a lot of acting awards so if you're looking for a solid crime drama
drama. You can't go wrong with Ozark. Season 1 is 10 episodes. Season 2 is 10 episodes. And now Season 3 is available on Netflix. I also just want to quickly mention, I don't know if you've been if you've heard of this Tiger King documentary on Netflix, but uh, it's number one in Canada right now on the streaming service. It's not every day that a zookeeper went to prison for murder for hire. There are more captive tigers in the U.S. than there are in the wild throughout the world. Animal people are nuts, man. They're all crazy. I'm sure y'all got a story to tell. So I haven't seen this yet, but my co-host Jeff Braun watched a couple of episodes, and he says this is just bonkers. It's about a guy named Joe Exotic who runs this big cat zoo in Oklahoma. He has hundreds of cats, like tigers, and he's been doing this for 20 years, and apparently he's insane. He's got a dyed blonde mullet, a ton of piercings, a gun on his hip. He's a hustler, making money hand over fist from tourists who want to see, play with, and get selfies with the tigers, and they will pay to do it. His zoo and his shtick, super tacky. He hosts this crazy web show every night, and all his employees look like deranged carnies, <laughs> and apparently it's just this bizarre journey about this guy's life and there's elements of crime uh, the people who are watching this are just devouring this mm-hmm. show right now so if ozark isn't your thing and you want a crazy documentary instead maybe try tiger king on netflix and of course i would also recommend if you have not watched survivor winners at war yet mm-hmm. uh if you've got shaw for example shaw cable that's what i have you can watch it on demand so maybe good. you can watch it on demand on other cable services or get the global tv app and all of the episodes are there it is outstanding the best that uh best season i think it's that I've seen yet. Anyway, guys, i got to take off. Have a good weekend. Stay safe.